Mini episode 1598 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1598. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you. And we have with us here today two of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries, and uh, they actually do a show together themselves. They've been kind enough to have me on there in the past. Of course, the Callous Remarks podcast, you can catch that uh, on any platform where you catch your finest uh, podcasts, and uh, always a pleasure to get them on there. Two greats when they are together, two greats in their own right. Uh, I start with the gentleman that the uh, show is named after, Steve Callis. Of course, a veteran of the New York and Philadelphia media scene. You've been able to catch him making appearances all over the place on TV and radio there over the years. And, of course, uh, not only with the Callous Remarks podcast, but also sports editor of the Westchester County Post, westchestercountypost.com. Always a pleasure to get on our man Steve Callis. Steve, good to have you on today, my friend. Thanks so much for making time to be here for our final uh, preview that we're doing of the NCAA Hoops Tournament. Great to be with you, Rick. Always like doing stuff with you and Joe. You know that, and I'm looking forward to it. Yes, a real pleasure to have you on to uh, Talk Hoops. Uh, The other gentleman, of course, is somebody that we've had on to Talk Hoops many times previously as well, collegiate and pro, and uh, a longtime veteran of the Philadelphia media scene, uh, TV and radio sports, uh, our great friend Joe Stazak and uh, Joe Always a pleasure to get you on, my friend. Uh, it's uh, wonderful to have you on. I'm sorry for you that uh, Villanova does not uh, factor into uh, the conversation here today, but uh, looking forward to talking with you nonetheless. What are you guys talking about? I'm watching play Liberty right now. Uh, an unseeded, an unseeded uh, I guess, at-large bid team for playing number three Liberty. What's the problem? Yeah, we're all good here. <laughs> well, we're we're all we're all enjoying hoops in different forms here tonight. Uh, I'm watching my beloved Cavs make a shoot uh, a chew toy out of the uh, Charlotte uh, Hornets as we speak, unsurprisingly. But uh, yes, we have uh, the greatest in collegiate hoops to look forward to. Uh, the tournament of uh, they like to say 68. That's the official NCAA propaganda, but uh, 64. Yeah, exactly. 64 for all intents and purposes. The first four games are basically like the uh, NBA play-in games here for uh, how much legitimacy they have vis-a-vis the regular playoffs. But uh, we're going to take a look at it here, bracket by bracket. We're going to go through and uh, get our looks at each of the brackets. And we'll just take it uh, kind of as you would just looking at your bracket sheet here going uh, left to right. And uh, starting with The South region, that's where you have the number one overall seed, Alabama, in there. Uh, Again, uh, notwithstanding everything with uh, Brandon Miller and everything that uh, he was uh, an accessory to, allegedly, 
Uh, and again, there are a lot of us, myself included, that feel like it's a disgrace for him to be able to continue playing under this cloud, but be that as it may, Alabama, the number one overall seed in the field. So I'm just going to give my thoughts first before I throw to you guys on each of the regions here. This is the only bracket where, uh, at the South, where I actually have the one and the two seeds meeting uh, in the end because uh, I, I think Alabama is set to overpower just about everybody except I think number five, uh, South uh, San Diego State, rather, can uh, give them, I was about to say South Dakota State, as I'm looking at the SD, uh, San Diego State, I think, can give them a pretty good run. But there's nobody that I think is really going to give them that big of a, uh, a test all the way through, and including, I think, Arizona. I'm not so sure that that game is going to be so close. Arizona... I wasn't necessarily inclined to pick them, but I'm not as impressed with the bottom end of that bracket. So I see it being Alabama over Arizona, but uh, again, just uh, not many teams uh, that, that I see that uh, is depth-wise in this field here. Some people will point to number three, Baylor, who um, I'm really not as impressed with. I don't think they're going to reach the Sweet 16. Uh, same thing with uh, number four, Virginia. So I'll start by uh, throwing it to you, Steve Callis, as far as when you look at the South, what are the things you see, what jumps out at you? Well, I have, I have a lot of non-chalk stuff, but it's not in the South either. I'm with you. I've got um, Alabama and Arizona 1 and 2. Uh, Alabama, and we'll step away, I guess, from the legal stuff, which I agree with you is kind of disgusting. They get to play in Birmingham. Um, they're a real good team. Uh, and I think they're easily better than Arizona, but I couldn't find, I'll give you a couple of early, at least early upsets that I've picked. I picked Utah over Utah State over Missouri. I saw them play once. I think they're pretty good. Yep, me too. Can, I think they can beat Missouri. Uh, and I also like Creighton to make a little run. Yep. Creighton, you'll recall, earlier in the year were the best, they were the best team in the Big East. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think much of, the Big East this year, but we'll get to that later. But I think Creighton can win a couple of games. But at the end of the day, I agree. I think it's going to be Alabama uh, beating Arizona, frankly, in the South. But as we get to the other places, I got some non-chalk, so we can talk about those later. I do as well. And uh, some similarities between some things you described and my bracket, which, uh, again, you can find that on the front page at fantasydrafthelp.com right there at the top, and uh, click on it and see. I have Creighton in the Sweet 16 as well. I have Utah State, and I, I actually thought about taking Utah State to beat Arizona. I really kind of went back and forth on that one. Spoiler alert, I do have a 10 seed in the Sweet 16 a little later on. But uh, Joe Stazek, when you're looking at the South, what are the things that jump out at you? I don't like freshmen all that much, you know, um, despite, you know, Brandon Miller and what he's done. There are some other teams with some freshman guards we'll get to. I, I like the way they played this year, but I would, uh, it, all things being equal, you know, I'd rather have, you know, uh, well, not a lot of seniors make it um, that far anymore, but sophomores and juniors especially. But, yeah, hey, Alabama's had a, a phenomenal year. I think Arizona, I like their bigs. Uh, I like um yeah, uh, I can't even pronounce the name. Tubelas and uh, Coloco, I think they could give Bama some problems. Also, you mentioned San Diego State. Vaunted uh, defense, they swept the uh, Mountain West this year. Um, but I don't know if they can hang in the scoring department, although I've seen teams with phenomenal defenses um, 
sometimes they emerge because if you can shut down a team and you can, you know, you'll find a way to scrape along and get your points. Villanova did it last year, basically, to get into the Final Four, and especially the last game against Houston uh, when um, my man Jermaine uh, ripped up his knee. Um, and Houston's back. I get it. We'll, we'll get to them in a little bit. But I, I, I actually like Arizona in this region. You know, you, you mentioned Creighton. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've seen them play a lot this year, you know, being – in the same conference as Villanova. Villanova knocked him off twice and then got smoked the other night. I'm not so sure if always the hot hand, you know, as you see in these tournaments, they don't always necessarily, you know, parlay it into a run in the tournament. You do like to kind of bet on the teams that are hot late. You pick the teams that are getting hot. You know, like we'll get to Duke in a little bit. They, they remain hot, you know. But um, with all these coach, coaching changes, it's kind of hard to follow some of these teams. And, you know, the difference is that the coach, you know, looks, Jay, Jay Wright leaves. And, I mean, like I just said, they're playing Liberty in the NIT as an unseated. A lot of the guys that played last year, but uh, their offense was hard to watch this year. And, you know, they certainly missed Jay Wright and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, this John Shire is taking Duke. And they did some good things in that tournament. Like I said, we'll get to them in a little bit. Can Charleston be a Cinderella? Won 31 games? Probably not. But I, they, they always make a little bit of noise. I don't think they can knock off San Diego State. But uh, I think, again, I think that Baylor has been so inconsistent. You know, they were a phenomenal team two years ago. I don't see them doing much. Can they make some noise? You know, it's possible. You see Santa Barbara. You know, Joe Pasternak, the coach there, won a couple of Big West titles. It's it's, it's really, you know, this listen, this whole thing is such a crapshoot, you know, I have no idea. I know that uh, in the, since 1985, there have been, uh, what is that, 37, uh, there's been 37 tournaments with 64 teams in them when the tournament went from 48 to 60, and well, like you said, it's, it's 68 now, but uh, 64 teams basically uh, get in. Uh, 23 champions have been a one seed. 23 of 37 have been a one seed, so a uh, little more than half. So don't be surprised if a one seed takes it this year. But I, I kind of like Arizona. I don't always like going with the top seed. Bama, their star players, the freshmen, you know, again, uh, all criminology aside, uh, I'm going with Arizona in this region, boys. Interesting. Okay, so you have a little more faith in them uh, than uh, than we do. So uh, we will see on that one in the uh, the east region uh, as we're all talking about this that uh, we're all probably looking a little bit more chalk as we go along here I'm gonna put a little bit more meat on the bones of it uh, I, I'm a guy where again I'm a little bit inclined to be suspicious of Purdue they haven't always been the best team in the month of March I uh, haven't been to a final four I believe since 1980 but I do have them coming out of at least the top half of the bracket here. Uh, my Tennessee Vols, I, I'd love to say that I could see them taking them out, but I don't see that being the case, particularly with the team not being at full strength. And uh, again, in fairness, Rick Barnes hasn't been the best March coach at Tennessee either. I do have Tennessee over Duke in what I think is a little bit of a surprise because, uh, again, there are some times where a team does come into a tournament hot like Duke and then just kind of step on their Johnsons right off the bat. For those expecting them to lose to Oral Roberts, I don't think that'll be the case. I think they'll get by. I got them going down to Tennessee, though, in the next round. I've got Purdue making it to the Elite Eight at the very least. Bottom end of the bracket is where I see chaos. Uh, I've seen some people actually picking Kentucky, even though they're not very impressive as far as uh, 
you know, the, the, the whole and the sum of the parts, so to speak, here. I've seen some people picking them for the final four. I don't go that far, but I do have them at least in the Sweet 16 because I'm unimpressed with the bottom half of the bracket here. Kansas State, wonderful bunch of overachievers, but I think it ends here. I got them going down to uh, Kentucky. And USC, I've got them not only getting past Michigan State, I've got them taking out Marquette. Uh, because I think that uh, Marquette may have some uh, vulnerability defensively there that USC is able to exploit. USC over Kentucky, I've got Purdue and USC in the Elite Eight. I wish I had the stones to take USC to uh, go to the uh, Final Four, but I do not. That's where I see it ending. I've got Purdue fighting through a tougher top half of the bracket, chaos in the bottom half of the bracket. This time I'll start with you, Joe. How do you see the East lining up? Okay, uh, in the East... I like, uh, you know what, to be honest, guys, um, I do like Duke. I like the way they played. Six losses this year. Um, they kind of cruised through the tournament. You're right, um, Rick. As I mentioned earlier, uh, teams that make, you know, kind of come together and make a run in their conference room don't always, you know, parlay that or, you know, the next, you know, five days when they enter the tournament don't always, like you said, they trip over the Johnsons. Uh, I like the way they're playing and they have guys from last year and that team last year might have some unfinished business. They, uh, everyone in the world, except me, liked um, Duke over to Carolina and that, you know, that, that famous game of the, you know, millennium and uh, Carolina won it, which is, that's crazy that, that that team with most of their guys back, AP number one, didn't make the tournament. That's right. why I like sports. You can't make it up. You right. can't make it up. Purdue, Purdue. Yeah, I mean, they almost blew a 17-point lead to a kind of an, you know, a Penn State team that, you know, doesn't have a lot going for them, but except they, they kind of had it going on. I know their coach was not happy with them, uh, but they, you know, they got it done. They have freshman guards, which I don't like. I, the coach was basically saying, you know, it's not that hard. We need people with awareness and savvy, and again, that's experience is what he's kind of saying. I don't like freshman guards. Purdue has them. Uh, I think Kansas State can make some noise there as well. Uh, Marquette, you know, I always liked Shaka Smart. When he was with Virginia Commonwealth, made that run to the Final Four, kind of made his bones. He's kind of bounced around. Um, I like what he's done. Uh, so I, I would say that Marquette could make a little bit of noise, but I still like Duke coming out of this region. Interesting. Okay, going with a five seed uh, on this. Uh, how do you see it going, uh, Steve Callis? We've, we've got both extremes at this point. We've got a one and a five so far. I don't know. I think I should be asking to go first because I just heard Joe say, yeah, I really hate freshmen. And now he's picking a team that starts for freshmen. And, and I'm not a Dukie, and I was looking to beat Duke, but I don't see Purdue beating Duke. So I'm going Duke all the way to the Final Four, frankly. But okay. I'll agree with everything Joe said, but this uh, Filipowski, I mean, this guy's a big-time player. He's the ACC Freshman of the Year. He's got more double-doubles than any freshman in the country. The one-and-done freshmen are a totally different class. Oh, okay. Uh, Kentucky's one-and-done guys, they kind of supersede that rule that I just threw out there. (laughs) Okay, I'll get to Kentucky in a sec because I know Rick picked them to do some damage. But um, they've got so much talent. I like their point guard, Jeremy Roach. He's like the only junior that starts. Everybody else is a four-freshman start. They bring a seven foot one guy. This Filipowski is six eleven, seven feet, seven feet two thirty. He's listed at, and they bring lively a seven one guy off the bench, who averages two point three blocks a game in limited minutes. 
Yep. So I think they've had a long time to be good. Uh, I saw a thing on ESPN where their team was totally healthy. They've been 17-1 and one this year. Of course, they won their last nine. You know, Virginia killed them earlier in the year. They beat Virginia by 10 in the ACC championship game. And, oh, by the way, Virginia's a four seed. So we understand how that can work. But when you beat a team for an ACC championship, yeah. uh, and, oh, by the way, you won your last nine games now, I don't know how you get ranked as a five. I thought they'd be a four for sure and maybe even a three. Um, but I like Duke a lot. I think this Filipowski is going to be a good pro someday. I like this guy, Derek Whitehead. He's been in and out. He's been hurt, et cetera. Um, and as for the whole thing with um, Tennessee, I would give Tennessee a chance, a good chance. But, you know, I think you I think you mentioned, Rick, that yeah. they're, uh, they're injuries. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have the... Uh, the bad injury to one of their star players, uh, Ziegler. Yes. Uh, and he stayed in, you know, and then, and part of the problem with picking these, and we'll get to it more when I get to other picks, but part of the problem is we're not sure who's playing. Right. As we're sitting here today, and I'm looking up these guys who went down with what looked like pretty bad injuries. Um, I kind of like the Kansas State team. I like their story. They're, you know, I think they can make some noise, but I got... Um, the upset I have there that you guys may laugh at is I have Florida Atlantic Atlantic beating uh, Penny Hardaway's Memphis team. Okay. Uh, but that's all I got. I don't think they can beat Purdue. But I think Duke, I know Purdue has the 7-4 guy, but as I said, Duke starts their 7-1 forward and then brings a uh, 7-foot forward and brings in their 7-1 center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and I agree with Purdue not really having much success virtually ever as a number one seed. Um so on the topic of that bracket, I'm going to go with Duke. Again, I think they can make a lot of noise. Uh, they were the number one freshman class in the country, which I'm guessing is credit to Coach K. That's his final gift to Duke. Uh, and also, I'll say, as a team, collectively, they can defend. I mean, they allowed, I think they allowed it was 63.4 points per game, and in the last 10 they played, they were allowing like 62. So they keep a game in the low 60s. I think they have more than enough offense. And... I've got them going. I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon with all these other guys, but I I couldn't look to see Purdue beating them. I couldn't see Tennessee beating them. Uh, I can't see Marquette. I agree with you guys. In fact, Rick, I got Michigan State beating Marquette as well. Okay. Um, but I think it's going to be uh, Duke going to the Final Four out of the uh, East Division. Okay. Played in New York City, by the way, at MSG. That's right. And... Uh... As far as it goes, again, while I have Memphis uh, coming out of that first round game, I mean, you, you saying Florida Atlantic, that is not the world's most scandalous pick since it's an 8-9 game there, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a very entertaining one. And listen, I, I thought about taking Florida Atlantic as well. So if you are right... Oh, and if I, Rick, if I could give you one more that you talked about. I, yeah. like, uh, I like Kentucky to be one and done. You know, the noise out of Lexington I got from my racetrack days, I got tons of friends and who have lived in Lexington for 50 years, and they all want Calipari out. I think he's got, like, the biggest buyout clause in the history of the world or something. Mm-hmm. But they want him gone. And I love Cooley at Providence. He's been around forever now. He's a no-nonsense, not a big talker. I love those kinds of guys, and I think they're real good. And Kentucky, when you look at Calipari's work, and when you look at the guys in the NBA, a guy from Lexington sent me a list of the Kentucky guys in the NBA. It makes your head spin. I mean, they could start an all-star team. Yeah. <laughs> and they could start, and they could have a full 14-man team of all-stars. 
yeah. addition to starting the All-Star team. But I just don't like, it just hasn't worked out. How many, after after Calipari early on and he won that one, I mean, how many did you think he was going to win? I thought he was going to win four or five. All sure. these kids going through one year, going to the NBA, but it really hasn't worked out. And I don't know if that's what Joe's referring to as freshmen because they're all talented, but they couldn't get over the hump. And then you see a guy like a booker yeah. in the NBA. You know, um, you see these guys, and then uh, then you find out they played at Kentucky. Some of them you never heard of. They averaged 10 points a game, and now they're all-stars in the NBA. Years. I'm not talking about AD, you know, those kinds of guys. I'm right. not talking about them, but I'm talking about these other guys. Oh, Tyler Hero? That you, Tyler Hero. I mean, you just don't. There, there's, there's 20 of them. Again, yeah. the guy sent me a list. I wish I had it. I'd read a few. But to me, the experiment at Kentucky, for Kentucky people who, you know, are lunatics. I mean, this yeah. is... This is what they live for, Kentucky basketball. Sure. So I think he might be on his way out, frankly. I don't know who you get to replace him. But I think that experiment, which was viewed as an experiment at the beginning, I'll just get the five best freshmen in the country, throw them out there by tournament time, they can win it all. Well, that's only happened once. And I, I don't recall the exact makeup of that team, but I think they had one or two upperclassmen. You know, if some of these guys stay two years, you're like, oh, my goodness, they stay two years. Right. But I don't think it worked out, and I think Providence has a chance. Uh, but never doubt Kentucky because at the bottom, they're so talented. Every year, that's sure. what you say about them, no, no matter how, the, how they finish. I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I just did, did pick yeah. Providence over Kentucky in the first round. Yeah, no, that's those are all very good points. And it has the feel of, and I'm going to put this uh, qualifier on it, it has the feel of, so I don't get sued here, but it has the feel of Calipari having the world's biggest roll of stamps that he just mails it in with every year. You know, he goes out and recruits the players, and then it feels like it's being mailed in from there. But hopefully, hopefully, Counselor, I put the right qualifier on that to where I don't get sued. But uh, as we move into the Midwest, I promise you all something very, very unique, because as I've been looking around at a lot of other brackets here, uh, it's kind of amazing that I haven't seen anybody else anywhere make the final four pick that I'm making. Uh, probably because, again, so many people are deferring to Houston. It has the feel of a team of destiny. They'd be playing at home in the Dome in the Final Four. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. But as you said, Steve, at this early juncture here, trying to uh, forecast the role of injuries, that is something that's going to be kind of tough. I'm guessing that uh, they won't uh, feel the need to load it up completely against Northern Kentucky in the first round. But uh, against what I think will be Auburn in the second round, uh, we'll see who's ready to go. Uh, the upset that I have on the top end of the bracket here, uh, I've got uh, Drake getting past Miami in the first game here, and then I've also got them getting past Indiana. So I have number 12, Drake, uh, making it to the Sweet 16. A little bit of going out on a limb. Bottom end of the bracket, a lot chalkier at this point here. Uh, I have uh, the battle for the Elite Eight coming down to number two, Texas, number three, Xavier. And for as much as a lot of people are salivating, at potentially one Houston, two Texas, playing for the right to go to the Final Four in Houston. I have Xavier playing spoiler there. And to be honest with you guys, in the uh, regional championship here in the Midwest, a number three seed uh, and a team that I think is very solid top to bottom, uh, no real obvious weaknesses that I see on that team. A lot of people, I think, sleeping on Xavier. I'm picking Xavier to go to the Final Four, and, and again, I don't know that I've ever looked at as many different brackets and seen them so bereft of a number three seed, but that's the case in the Midwest here. Everyone's kind of taking them for granted. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Xavier makes it through. Steve Callis, uh, I, I, I'm guessing that it won't be in your bracket, nor Joe Stazak's, but uh, Steve, what do you have? 
Well, I will say that I didn't hear um, Joe Stasek crying when you picked Drake over Miami, but I did the same thing, frankly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but But look, I... I've seen Drake play a couple of times this year. This Tucker DeVries, 20 points a game, 6-7, coach's son. Now everyone's saying they remind him of Doug McDermott. You know, I would agree with that, but, you know, he's his own player. He's a heck of a player. Uh, they got a 50-year point guard. All these things in these kinds of teams, we've talked about it over the years, where they got these older guys, for lack of a better word. But Roman Penn is an excellent point point guard. Um you know, they bring it, they, they get their center, Darnell Brody, 6'10, 275, 9.7 rebounds. And frankly, and maybe uh, Joe will know more about this than me, I mean, they got Isaiah Wong, who's unbelievable, the ACC Player of the Year, Miami, I'm talking about. But this North Chart O'Meara rolled an ankle. It looked pretty bad when he did it. I can't find anything that says he's going to play or he's not going to play, which is very interesting. Maybe they need to have some. Uh, should be NF, NA, NFL with, like, injury list or something like that. But as with you, Rick, uh, not only do I like Drake to beat Miami, but I like them to beat Indiana as well. I think Indiana slumped kind of at the year, at, at the beginning of the year. They were good, but I, I think they fell down a little bit towards the end. And I was even thinking about winging it with Kent State against them, but I'll go, uh, I'll go Indiana. But I got Drake beating Indiana. I have... Uh, Houston getting to the finals, not to the final four, because at the bottom of the bracket, although I do like, uh, I have Xavier winning a couple of games. I have Penn State. You know, Penn State is good, man. I have them beating Texas A&M. But I got the surprising, I think, this year. I like Texas. Um, I love this Rodney Terry, you know, the interim coach they got. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a pro this guy is. He's been coaching 37 years. He's head coach at Fresno State for seven years and UTEP for three more. He's the interim head coach. Um, they beat Kansas in the Big 12 final by 20. Uh, he's 19-7 and seven as the interim head coach, uh, and that includes seven wins against top 25 teams. And I think they're just coming at the right time. So I do have Texas beating Xavier to get to the final four, but I kind of agree uh, with where Rick has been going with a lot of these, uh, not necessarily prepared to have put Xavier in the Final Four, but certainly, uh, you know, I have them, I'm sorry, I have them losing to Texas and then Texas beating Houston. Okay. Uh, and uh, and Texas coming out of the Midwest because uh, I just really like the way they do things, and I think this guy, Rodney Terry, this is like, look, the guy's already had two coaching jobs, so I can't say he didn't get a chance, but... This is the time when you leave Fresno State and you leave UTEP and you wind up in Texas. You know, Texas is a big-time program, and I think uh, he's got a big-time chance. He absolutely does. Uh, very good points there. Uh, Joe Stazak, a very intriguing Midwest bracket. How do you see it shaping up? <laughs> he loves Miami all the way. They probably end up in Houston now. They're a talented bunch. I think they've only played uh, in their conference, like three teams in their conference uh, ranked among the top 50. So um, I don't think they're quite ready for prime time, despite being talented. Listen, guys, I'm not going to – I like Texas. Texas smoked Kansas twice like five games mm -hmm. and smoked good. Now, um, that might say something more about Kansas. I don't know. Kansas has a lot of – uh, guys that, that moved on from last year's championship team. They still have Jalen Wilson at 20-plus points per game, but um, um, we'll get to them, I guess, um, you know, in a little bit. But I, I like I like what Texas, I mean, without 
without uh, Marcus Sasser, I'm not sure, you know, what, what Houston's, you know, what they're going to be with their defensive specialists out. You know, they kind of came up real small last year, despite playing a very good um, Villanova team, you know, to, you know, to uh, get to the Final Four. Uh, good year this year. Um, I just like the way Texas is playing, and I like the fact that, I mean, it took down the national champion, who got a one seed after that, right. um, which was a little crazy, but that's fine. I, you know, uh, I, and they also, if they win their first game, they play either an Auburn team who've lost six losses in the last nine games. Iowa has four in their last six games. So, I mean, I, I think they have at least a decent route to the Sweet 16. And, uh, you know, other than that, uh, I do like Xavier winning three games and then getting knocked out by Texas to get to the Final Four. Again, I like the Longhorns. Hook'em Horns coming out of the Midwest. Okay, so you guys both agree on that. And uh, both of you guys, at the very least, giving Xavier a lot of props. So, you agree with me, uh, you know, largely it sounds like, albeit not completely. As we go to the West region, uh, you've got uh, the aforementioned Kansas here as the one seed. And uh, looking at this here again, there is a lot to like about them when they're at full strength, which they admittedly were not toward the end of the Big 12 tournament. But one of the things here, and I, I talked about this with the Midwest, I hadn't seen anybody else take Xavier, so I feel like a real hipster being on them. I feel like less of a hipster being on my final four pick because I've seen them get picked in a couple of other uh, prominent brackets, a couple of, I think I was looking at some of the CBS ones and some of the other prominent sites out there. I'm going with UConn, actually, the number four seed, which has really been coming together nicely. Right. I've got them taking out Kansas. I've got them making it out of the top half of the bracket. In the bottom half of the bracket, uh, both UCLA and Gonzaga, uh, they, they both both of them have vulnerabilities, but both of them can be very, very strong. I think that's going to be a very epic game. I've got UCLA coming out of it. So more of a – you have the, the, the greatest power in the history of the game as, as far as titles uh, and, and a dominant span in UCLA, and uh, you have a much more recent power over the last quarter century plus in UConn there, and I have UConn coming out of the region, making it to the Final Four, setting up a game with Xavier that I believe certainly will be the 6-0-9 game rather than the second game in the Final Four, but uh, UConn to me comes out of it, they're the team uh, to get it done, uh, once again, I'll be somewhat surprised if either of you guys uh, go along with this, uh, but we'll start with you, uh, Joe, how do you see the West shaping up? You know, I... I don't think Kansas is long for the tournament. I'm not sure how far they. You're right. They've had some. They've had some uh, injuries that have held them back a little bit. Still got the one seed. Uh, UConn. That's a nice pick there. I gotta be honest, Rick. I like that pick. You Thank have you. some guts to take UConn, and they played pretty well down the stretch. Took care of my boys uh, uh, last week, uh, Villanova. I. You know what? And this is a team that historically, to me. It gets a little exposed when the lights are brightest and the stage is biggest, but I'm, that's why they're a little under the radar this year. I might go with Mark Few's team, Gonzaga, to come out of that region and take down UCLA, who's, you know, they're without um, Jalen Clark, uh, Defensive Player of the Year over there. And I just think that they have a nice draw. And I think that um, they have experience, and I don't know if they have enough to, you know, uh, you know, win anything, cut down the nets in Houston, but uh, 
Uh, I like your pick, though, uh, UConn, to take down uh, Kansas. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Kansas did not make it out of this bracket. I'm going with uh, I'm going with Gonzaga. I think if anything, if Kansas makes it that far, I like Gonzaga um, to come out of the uh, the West, my friend. Okay, very, very interesting. And, yes, I, I really struggled because, again, I, if, if I'd had Gonzaga beating UCLA, I mean, it's very possible I might have had them getting past UConn as well. So that, that was kind of a close call in my book. Uh, Steve Callis, how do you see the West shaping up? Yeah, not a Kansas guy. Don't know what's going on with uh, Bill Self. I mean, they said he was in the hospital. It wasn't a heart attack. He was going to come out, you know, coaching the tournament. Now, apparently, he's out, but nobody's saying for sure that he's going to coach right away. Uh, and it's kind of interesting that in today's world, you can't, nobody knows what happened to him. But not a Kansas guy should not have been a number one seed, in my opinion. They had seven losses, and that is tied for the most losses ever for a number one seed since they went to 64, and they're tied with themselves from 2018. So mm-hmm. there's maybe something there, perennial power and all that. Uh, but I'm with you, Rick, again, you guys. Um, this UConn team, two bigs who are real good. I think they're a real good team. Uh, I think Danny Hurley is a real good coach, you know, son of a coach. You guys all know the drill with the Hurley family mm-hmm. at St. Anthony's in New Jersey. And I got UConn going all the way to the Elite Eight, but then um, uh, the one early uh, upset I'll give you is I like um, – VCU to upset St. Mary's. We'll see. Some people are picking that. I don't know if that's like the hot pick or something, but um, I do like VCU early, but uh, to get out of the West, I like Gonzaga against UConn, and I have Gonzaga beating UConn because I think this is the kind of year, you know, they've been under pressure and poor Mark Few for like, it seems like decades now. Gonzaga's been good forever when they came on the scene, but they've never won the big one, and Drew Timmy strikes me as one of these guys, you know, you watch college basketball and you go, has that guy been, been at Gonzaga six years or seven years? I mean, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Drew Timmy, 21 points a game, 7.3 rebounds a game. I mean, this guy's a big-time player. And I think they've been around. They've been close. They've been in the mix. And I think this is a good year for them as a three to be uh, to be under the radar. So I got them blowing through the West and beating UConn to make it to the Final Four. Okay, so you guys agree on Gonzaga there. And I must say, uh, FDH Lounge dignitary Bob Glassman, who is fond of hyperbole, uh, seems to regard Drew Timmy as maybe not quite exactly, but something of a doppelganger of mine, which I mean... <laughs> well, a little flattering, I guess. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of flattering. I, I, I don't quite... Yeah, I don't quite see it myself, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, well, thank you for saying so, Bob, I guess, you know, but uh, that's what Bob Glassman's good for. But uh, we get to this, all right, so we have uh, wildly disparate uh, Final Four brackets, although you guys have a couple of the same ones here, especially on uh, the right side of the page. Uh, for me, on the left side of the page, to recap, it's Alabama and Purdue. I have Alabama coming out of that one, and, uh, and like I said, what, what I'm sure will probably be the early game, uh, three Xavier and four UConn. I have UConn coming out of that one, and uh, my pick for the national championship game, I'm just going to go all the way with this, UConn 78, Alabama 75, shades of 2014. You have the Huskies 
going on a big run that a lot of people don't see coming. Like I said, I feel like less of a hipster after seeing some of the other prominent brackets online that I saw. I'm a definite hipster for taking Xavier to make the Final Four. Nobody can take that one away from me. UConn seems to be, you know, a little, little, little trendy in some circles. Some of the PBR drinkers of the world are kind of jumping on that one here. I got UConn going all the way. So, uh, Steve Callis, uh, what, what is your national championship, your Final Four look like? I have um, Alabama and Duke on the left side, and I have Alabama making the championship game. I have Texas and Gonzaga on the right side. I have Gonzaga coming out, and I think this is finally the year when nobody expects it that Gonzaga wins the national championship, beating Alabama 76-72. to 72. Well, from your lips to God's ears, if that is the championship game, because, uh, yeah, i love to see Gonzaga get it done. Mark Few is a class act. Alabama with this whole murder. We don't care nothing about murder, the whole thing. That doesn't really sit well with me. I know, I'm going, I know I'm, yes. I'm going out on a big limb here, right? Murder is bad. But, uh, you know, yeah, I would, I would love to see that play out. Uh, Joe Stazak, we have two different champions thus far. We'll see if you make it three. You know, guys, I don't have one number one seed uh, heading to Houston. I don't. I have two twos, a three, and a five. I got Arizona playing Duke. Um, I like the bigs, to be honest. I know it's kind of a, a guard oriented. Uh, the tournament usually comes down to whose guards are best, but I like those two bigs. Um, Duke, despite you know, all, you know the freshmen and the, maybe the one and dimes, they are freshmen. Um, uh, I got Texas and Gonzaga in the other on the other side. I got Texas coming out of that. I don't think Mark. I don't think Gonzaga. I know I, I have them flying under the radar a little bit, but I think you know the party stops uh, when they play Texas. I got Arizona over the Longhorn, eighty-one to seventy-seven. So the Arizona Wildcats are your national champions in two thousand twenty-three. How about that? How about that? No chalk from us. Uh, Arizona, Gonzaga. And UConn, I challenge you to find another show where you have as disparate a bunch of group of picks as that. I mean, that's uh, not a not a one in the mix here. And uh, you know, me having Alabama in the uh, championship game is sort of a token nod to that. Same thing with Steve Callis with having them in there. But uh, always, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, with you guys. Uh, I'll start uh, with you here, uh, Steve Callis. Any additional thoughts on the tournament of yours that we didn't get to? No, not really. I, I still have the complaint of 68 to 64. I've written articles for literally 20 years that I think they should just have 64 teams. Yep. The 16-16 games are jokes. Yep. I mean, why they even have them is beyond. Yes. But they should have 64 teams, including the four 16s. But here's what they should do since they want to give four more teams a chance. Have the next four out, and you know how they do it now, Last, You know who the last four are in specifically by count. You know who the, uh, the next four out are. Have the last four, the first four out, have them go on the road. Mm-hmm. Don't play them at these sites where you're going to have 30 other games that weekend. Have them go on the road to the teams who are in or picked in, the final four that are picked in, and have them play a game. The teams who are already in 
In other words, you won't get a 16-16 game. It's kind of like these 11-11 games that they play. Sure. They have two of those. But have four of those because those are meaningful games. I, I think it was, wasn't it Shaka Smart at DCU when he got into a playing game and made it to the Final Four or That's something? That's right. But, but that was not obviously a 16-16 game. So I just think form-wise, I don't know why they do it this way. I understand they want extra games. But think of the excitement, the four sellouts. People nationwide will care because it will be a good team against a good team. It will not be a 16 against a 16. So when they changed it to that, I wrote an article, oh, you've gone halfway. You've done two of these 11 against 11s or whatever the lowest seeds are um, who are not automatic bids. So why not go for those games, let the four last four in, get a home game. The, the gym will be packed. That's their advantage for getting in. But now you're not in. You're complaining like they always do, right? Those first four out are always bitching and moaning, and I should be in. And Okay, go on the road. Beat a very similar team to your team. You were almost in. They were almost out, but they got in and you're out. Go on the road and beat them, and you're in. And I, I'll say it again. I think it would be national interest on all those games because uh, there can't be anything worse than watching a 16-16 game unless you got like a family member in the game or you went to that school or something. And I don't take anything away from the four 16s. They'll all be in. Right. But let them be in the 16s, play four games, have the last four, the first four out, go on the road to the last four in. You'll get four sellouts. They will have the advantage as they should for being the home team because they got in. And I believe it would be watched a lot on national TV because, oh, by the way, you would have eight good teams playing. Yeah, very possibly. I could see that being the case. Uh, Joe Stasek, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, I would just eliminate that. Uh, and that's, I like your idea, Steve, but here's my thing. Um, how many times has a 16 beaten a 1? They're, they're 1 and done. They, they one. Baltimore Community College beat Virginia like a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ones are one thirty-one and one versus sixteen. So I mean, why are we? I think it was kind of like a prelude to maybe a bigger expansion. I kept hearing ninety-six for a while. You know, that's for nine, which is ridiculous. Sixty-four to me when they went from forty-eight to sixty-four was the perfect number, and I think it still is. You know, you guys want to play around with you know these playing games, which I think is horrible the way it is. Steve, your method is much better if you're going to do the extra playing game. But at the end of the day, a 16 versus 16 is basically waiting to get eaten for lunch by a one, unless, you know, miracle. Miracle, I mean, it does happen. It's happened once, okay? It almost happened when Princeton, you know, gave Georgetown a run back in 89. Other than that, uh, again, one, and, and then Virginia comes back and wins the whole thing next year. That's what's great about sports, like I said earlier. But my thing is just, just eliminate it or do so or expand it, uh, the tournament. But I'd rather it you say to 64. It gets way watered down when you start doing that. And I think 64 is plenty. But you know it's all about the box, fellas. Follow the money. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close on this note here with what you said, Joe, about the 96 teams. I'm going to give the whop, 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 cynicism alert, cynicism alert. Here's what, <laughs> here's what they did. 96 was a trial balloon. Everybody shat on it appropriately. Then they went to 68. It's the 96 that made the 68 possible. Because then everybody right. was like, oh, thank God, it's only 68. I thought they were really right. going to destroy it. That's how it was, I'm telling you. It was, it was the fake trial balloon to just scare the piss out of everybody into thinking they were really going to destroy the whole thing. And then they, they rammed through 68, which was probably their plan A all along. So 
Yeah. That was a prelude, exactly. I think you're totally right, bro. Yeah, exactly. And, and now that I've probably, uh, with saying that, probably ruled out ever getting any NCAA basketball official on the show. With that note, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank the guys from the greatest sports podcast anywhere. Uh, Callis Remarks, of course, uh, Steve Callis and Joe Stazak. Thank you both very much. Thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge mini episode 1598.